You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 356. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we conclude our journey to Norway and the Netflix drama Ragnarok. And, uh, dude, uh, we thought the COVID-19 stuff was bizarre. Um, You know, strange world we live in. You know, we don't get political on Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, and we're not going to start tonight, but... uh, just just wow man yeah yeah well i mean we're, we're talking about for those of you listening in the future who you know would have no idea um you know in minneapolis uh george floyd was uh you know killed murdered he was murdered while in the 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 yeah. the, um, sure. the custody of the police officers uh one of whom uh kneeled on his neck for almost 10 minutes and it was horrific um uh, you know, one of those things that it was just on the TV, my wife was watching and I kind of just stopped and that was like, oh my God, you know, like, um, and so it is understandably causing a lot of unrest across the country. And um, I mean, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah. There, there's a lot to unpack there and, and we are not the ones qualified to unpack such things. Right. And, <laughs> and who would have thought that I would use the COVID-19 uh, pandemic to lighten the mood, but sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, I mean, I stay up late now that I'm not working, uh, but I don't watch Jimmy Kimmel. He's okay. But anyway, my right wife ran across a clip on Jimmy Kimmel from this past Sunday's talk shows. And most people in America know that Deborah Burks is one of the president's medical experts that's generally brought before the reporters to answer questions. And she was on the talk show and she was talking about, you know, uh, some of the states are, are releasing, uh, you know, some of the restrictions and that, you know, there's no reason people can't go out and play golf if they're safe. And in fact, they could play tennis, she said, uh, just as long as they mark their balls so that they don't have to touch each other's balls. Nice. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, oh, anyway. So uh, thank you, Jimmy Kimmel, for that one. And as they say, truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah, sometimes so, funnier, uh, too. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the poor woman. All right. On so many levels. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to acknowledge that Patreon supporter Fred from the Netherlands is going to be the recipient of his request that we cover a top 10 list for him. And that's what we're going to do next week. We're going to talk about 10 Canadian actors, not necessarily the top 10, the best, but but 10 that we really like. And we're going to go with five men, five women. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly looking forward to that. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And, you know, you guys in the Facebook group, throw your ideas out there and make your own top 10 list. We'll start a thread there if Fred doesn't do it already. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the other thing I need to make an announcement to our Patreon supporters that, again, I probably should do more reading and investigation, but, you know, we've been told by Patreon that they have to collect sales tax now from patreon supporters and it depends on where you live what country you're in what state you're in and i've followed all their suggestions to reduce the amount of sales tax somebody might have to pay 
and and look, in many cases, it's you know pennies, nickels, dimes, but but still, you guys are are supporting us, and I hate the fact that they're adding a sales tax. So that's out there. Hopefully, it won't affect anybody, but we'll see. Now, we, it's been a while since we've made a shout out to listeners around the globe, and look, obviously, most of our listeners come from the United States followed by the UK, Canada. Germany is always strong, and I'm guessing it's picking up because dark is just over the horizon. Sure. But I noticed this week that we've got a lot of listeners from India, and I never know. I mean, it certainly could be one person in India is downloading our whole catalog, and I don't know how the download numbers actually are figured by Podbean, but... Uh, Thank you, whoever you are in India, for uh, checking yeah. us out. So. Cool. All right. Now, you mentioned at the beginning of uh, our discussion before going on the air that you weren't sure what you were going to mention you were watching this weekend. I'll just say that I finished all four seasons of The Last Kingdom. And, and dude, you need to tell me, where, where's se- season five? I know it's out there somewhere. It's, it's secret. You, you need the password. I got to have it. <laughs> I'm having Viking withdrawal. Um, yeah, I'm, well, I'm unfortunately, not... like season four literally just came out. So, but I, know, I, I think I know. season three wasn't too long ago. I think it was like maybe two years ago. So, well, a lot of the cast members have been active on social media uh, doing uh, interviews that appear on YouTube. So that's cool to watch. Uh, Eliza Butterworth, who plays uh, Alfred's wife, is just so funny. I sent you that link for that yeah. one uh, interview. She's so not like her character. Yeah. And as you pointed out to me, that just uh, smacks of great acting. Um, yeah, it's, but, but it's so funny because it's someone who is so polar opposite the character she plays, you know, it's hilarious. So good stuff. Yeah. But, to be honest, other than the shows I've mentioned, like Billions, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and The 100, the last few days, honestly, all I've been watching is the news. Yeah. And my wife and I talked about turning it off and, and watching one of our shows, and then, of course, something compelling comes across the screen, and next thing you know, it's 1230, and we haven't watched anything other than the news. So uh, I don't know about you. But that that's my viewing at this point. Well, I, I leave a lot of the news watching to my wife. Um, you know, I'll, I'll check in. I mean, I I tend to, to consume my news with reading. Um, and, you know, so I'll go online and, and read about stuff. Um, she's the big, you know, CNN watcher. Um, so, um, yeah, I I'm, I'm got caught up on... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The 100, and both of them I kind of call my, my guilty pleasures, which is a misnomer because really, I mean, guilty pleasure usually suggests something that is is bad, but you still like it, right? But it's not, the, I mean, these are two very high quality shows, they're really good. It's just, they have a ton of characters and a lot of plot points and things happening, and and they, they reference this group or that character or this person and everything and it's just i feel like it's impossible to really keep up with and and what i like the shows i don't like them enough to go back no and watch like the previous season in order to get caught up before the the current season i'll do that for the last kingdom um i'll do that for dark but i'm not doing that for agents of shield and the hundred sorry 
but I do like them. So I just kind of like let it ride and go and watch and enjoy it and figure that I'll, you know, catch up eventually and I'll figure out and I can appreciate what's going on like in the here and now at least, you know. So, um, you know, besides that, uh, those two shows I've got finally went back. Something I've intended to do for a while now is to go back and watch the extended version of the hateful eight that's on Netflix where Quentin Tarantino went and basically made a director's cut and added in some scenes here and there and turned it into a four episode series air quotes, um, that, uh, you know, that, I mean, it's, it's a really, really good movie. Um, classic Quarantino, Tarantino, uh, Western, uh, same, you know, the, the characters, the violence, the language, all that stuff. Just really, really, it's not my favorite by far, actually probably pretty low on the list. If you rank uh, Tarantino movies from ones I like the most to the ones I like the least, but uh, still really enjoyable and worth it. And some of the new scenes did add some more elements to the characters and everything. Um, yeah, not, it didn't seem like there was like that much of, of an addition. It was already a pretty long movie. So, all right, interesting. I didn't wasn't aware of that. So, yeah, all right. Um, well, we'll go ahead and leave that discussion there and pick up the sixth and final episode of season one of Ragnarok titled Yes, We Love This Country, written by Jacob Katz Hansen, directed by Yannick Johansson, who directed 104 and 105. And, you know, one of the first things I noticed about this as soon as I brought it up on Netflix is one of the shorter season finales at only 39 minutes. Very often the season finales 10, 15, 20 minutes longer mm-hmm. than a typical episode. So I was a little concerned what they were going to be able to cover in only 39 minutes. And turns out I, not a lot. Not a lot. And, <laughs> you know, maybe leaving us more questions than answers, which is okay. I mean, we know they're getting a second season. And as we've said many times about many shows, we don't know when the showrunner knew he or she was getting a second season does enough really occur heading into the off season i mean basically you know we knew last episode that that vidar and his crew are aware of you know who magna is or at least who they think he is and who we think he is you know is that enough going into the off season yeah you know my my hot take first of all my first take was just looking at the title was could be the worst title for anything other than a fifth grade civics project. As it turns out in the end has a kind of ironic meaning to it. So it actually turns out to actually be a pretty good title. But before I'd seen the episode, I was like, this is a really dumb title. Well, um, right. I mean, it's the first line of their, I don't know. That's their national anthem. The national I guess anthem it is. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, which I was like, oh, okay, well that. But then, like, of course, and during the the course of of the episode, you, you, we see that you know it has those extra layers of meaning as well um, as we seem to be setting up. Um, you know, we we start off this as a political show, like it's not a political show, but you know, like the the forces of conservatism and reaction versus the forces of, of kind of liberalism and change, you know, brought 
on both a uh, human and a mythological level in here. Yeah. And we get that great little scene as Gree is presenting her paper to the, the two teachers. And then when she walks out, oh, by the way, you did know it was ironic, right? Yeah. And I, I just love the fact that she has become sort of the conscience of the show. And, and she just does such a wonderful job there. But the characters are all so complex because while Fjord does get a lot of mileage out of that Gucci tracksuit. Oh, my God. I, I think we have to question whether or not he's redeemed himself because on the one hand, he goes and tries to give that money to her father and, and admit that he should have gotten it in the first place. And, and of course we don't expect him to take it and you know, he means well, but then he's apparently going to kill Gree as her, his father dictated. Yeah. Oh, he's totally going to kill her. Which she seems to get over pretty quickly. Yeah, right. And <laughs> the two of them run run out. So uh, now, granted, everything else she's seeing, maybe she'll take the lesser of three evils and get away from Vidar, who's uh, in the process of disrobing, and yeah. who knows how far he's going to go. But uh, like, this guy might have been about to kill me, but I got to get out of here before his dad takes his shirt off. You know, right now, <laughs> one of the things that I wondered about, and you know, it's not a big part of this episode, although Vidar mentions it the the whole idea of distancing themselves from humans. So why does he allow Fiora's posse, which includes Lawrence? In the Udall house, he says, if they're here, they're going to see something. And I think he meant more than just the office. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he just meant the office, but I don't know. It, it just seemed kind well, of... Well, they literally had these kids in their house, got them drunk, fed them mead, uh, threw axes at shit. I mean, it's like, that seems like you're kind of not doing a great job of distancing from humans there, Vidar. Unless... They're not humans. That that was my uh, right. my next thought. That perhaps they're maybe not giants, but something else that has earned them a little bit of cachet. And I apologize for forgetting the name of the police chief, but she doesn't seem to be buying into what Vidar wants her to do that you know you might have gotten away with this with the last mayor but there's a new sheriff in town literally and figuratively right so well, after all the evidence she's ignored and but literally it has to show up publicly on her front stoop before she actually does something so her little righteous stand there well, falls kind of flat with me you know i'm just like you know you've kind of let a lot of shit slide up to yeah. this point you know like yeah, it's only when true. it's like out in public like you absolutely can't deny it now you're gonna you know draw the hard line yeah now that opening scene where we get the text overlay and, and they're moving so quickly i had to pause it several oh, times yeah. not only to take notes just to to keep up with the reading but the whole cirrus prophecy ancient mythological tale about the creation of the world its demise and rebirth but i i think then the key political environmental message that that we've been dealing with throughout these six episodes the Cirrus Volvin speaks to both gods and men to tell them how the world will end if they continue their evil, immoral deeds. And 
obviously one of those immoral deeds is the poisoning of the environment and sure. the part that the utils play in it. And that's one of the things that came up a little bit in the Facebook group, uh, you know, a little discussion that got going and the business. And we've talked about this before. What business are they really in? And does it have anything to do with their standing as gods? And I guess I would argue that it's just the job of the day. It's, you know, whatever era they're in, they've got to do something as Mm -hmm. a cover and to generate income. And, you know, this is what they're doing now. So I don't know. We still don't know exactly what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I I guess... I assume it's some kind of chemical company, but I mean, not necessarily, right? We, we, yeah, I don't think we've really gotten confirmation as to what the, the utils do. Right. That I guess they're manufacturing something, but that it obviously produces toxic waste that, hey, it wasn't illegal in the 60s to hide it in a mountain. Yeah. And hey, we own the mountain. So <laughs> it was all cool um, back then. Yeah. So uh, in terms of the other evil, immoral deeds, you know, we don't really have a sense yet what the giants are really all about. I mean, what do they want to do? Do they want to rule Earth with the humans as their minions? I mean, we don't really have a sense of that yet. And and we don't really even get very many clues about that. But, uh, you know, this whole storyline where Magna gets expelled and Turid begins to spiral, and the, those are uh, Lawrence's words. Magna takes Eric and the police officer into the cave, and, and I think we know right. what's going to happen. Well, obviously, if he's there to open the door, it's like, yeah, well, yeah. of course there's nothing inside there, you know? Right, and you start thinking, well, geez, how did he move 2,500 barrels? It doesn't matter. Well, I, I mean, the, the question does come up, though. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you can't help but wonder. Like, uh, you feel like, you know, they're going there pretty soon after Magnus saw it. So, you know, how does in, in the time from when the police officer called Vidar to the time they got there, was he able to dispose of thousands and thousands of uh, of toxic waste you know just yeah well i mean we we see that image of the docks and the forklifts and and the front end loaders that are moving you know a bunch of the barrels and as gree points out in in that little discussion when she's defending her paper that certainly etta is beholden to the one industry that's there that provides you you know a living for the whole town and that she sort of implies that that's the same in any of a number of towns in Norway. So I'll take her at her word. Mm -hmm. So I guess we have to say that if Vidar calls up the uh, foreman and says, you got 2,500 barrels, you need to move from point A to point B. You need to get it done in six hours. They're just going to, in fact, he, he, on the phone call, he he says to the guy, you don't hear the other end of the conversation, but he says, you don't want to know. Right. Just, just do it. Yeah, but they've so, already been. I, I mean, I we can nitpick on this all day. I mean, obviously, it's a huge nitpick. It seems very unlikely that by any earthly standards, he could have gotten all those barrels. But maybe because they are giants, that somehow that they were able to to get the job done. But again, it's 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 a, it's it's quibbling over minor details. 
you know, obviously it's an easy nitpick, but the story moves us beyond that. So we don't have too. I didn't sit there, you know, thinking about it the whole time. You know, basically, right. uh, you know, I was like, wait, how did you know? Like, obviously, we know he that's the place is going to be empty. It's like, how did he move? There's no way. But then, you know, we immediately are thrown into the ostracization of uh, of Magna. Right. And, and and furthering that notion that he's losing his mind. And, and then that little aside where Vidar comes up close to him and says, I hope we've seen the last of you. You will regret this, understand? And we certainly know, because we can look at how much time's left in the episode, that we're going to get the showdown. It's just a matter of when. But certainly worthy of a nitpick. And I'm sorry, you guys out there. I know you're probably sick of the two of us picking apart scenes in school. But when <laughs> Rand tells the class that Magna's been expelled, yeah. implies that there are psychiatric implications. <laughs> no, stop. Yeah. I, I, no, as I said to my wife, it's like- Do they not have lawyers in Norway? Come on. Uh, you know, I, I said to my wife, it's like, Wayne and I are always saying, well, maybe that's a thing in Europe or <laughs> in, the, in Scandinavia. It can't be. No, I, I sincerely um, doubt it is, yeah. And then uh, the cop's son asks if it has to do with Magnus' accusations against Eudel Industries, and remarkably, Saxa remains silent. She got a little smile on her face, though, you know. She she does, and then Gree walks out of class in solidarity, and it was really a nice little scene where she just kind of runs into his arms and, and hugs him. And while he probably still has feelings for her, it's, you know, we know that's not what it's about. But you also wonder what Lawrence is thinking at that point. Is that the catalyst for his final act at the celebration? We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, uh, well, I, I, you know, I, 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 we, we've been complaining last week, I believe just about how Lawrence has kind of, you know, dropped out of the story after having a pretty big part early on, but man, he comes on like gangbusters in this one. Yeah, I mean, that look really does foreshadow his later act at the celebration. And then poor mom, I mean, it's bad enough that Magna barks at her about getting expelled and being forced to see a psychiatrist because she's dealing in the real world as we know it, as she knows it. So what is she supposed to think? At best, her son's on drugs which is a frightening thought for any parent that that's what you hope this is all about as opposed to, you know, something else. And then Lawrence accuses her of being a bad mother. Yeah. And I don't know that we've ever seen that. So clearly there's a backstory that, uh, so, so what is she like a, a a junk food, a holic because, (laughs) Uh, she doesn't load up on drugs or alcohol or anything no. like that. She goes to the grocery store and uh, and I can't believe Magna threw all the that good junk food away. I mean, I didn't recognize any of the brands or anything, but right? <laughs> it, it looked tasty in the packaging, but yeah, yeah. Uh, um, um, yeah you know, sh- sh- I mean, you're right. There's a lot there that we we say. Where does that come from? Right when. Lawrence tells her basically she's a terrible mom. Like, well, we haven't really seen a lot of evidence of that. You know, like she seems to be doing okay. I mean, she's a single mom. It's not an easy thing to do. She's got two teenagers. It's tough, right? Um, 
of course, you know, teenagers are tend to be self-centered. I don't know if you knew that, Dave. I know you, you taught <laughs> yeah. before, but uh, I don't know if you figured that out. Um, I mean, her, her, her worst offense as a mother seems to be that she brings fast food home on a semi-regular basis. Right. You know, like you said, we don't know where that's coming from, but uh, they do go to the doctor together, and the psychiatrist tells them that her diagnosis is that of a paranoid schizophrenic, gives him medication that's going to calm him down. And, of course, we're wondering, is he going to take the meds? And we get our answer fairly quickly. I, I think we know the answer and and you know i don't know about you i guess i half thought we would see him put him in the mouth to appease his mother and then when she's not looking spit him out or but he doesn't even go that far so yeah i, I think he's kind of better the way they did actually i was totally expecting the yeah put in the mouth spit it out uh trope uh but they didn't go that way he just said nah I'm good. <laughs> you know, after the doctor basically just saying, you're a paranoid schizophrenic, he's like, ah, you know what? I actually don't think I am. I think I'm okay. Yeah. Well, and the thing I forgot to mention, when she is in the grocery store buying all that junk food, you know, the, uh, the woman that we assume is some sort of a god or you know, has some sort of connections to the gods, She's Don't the let yourself of the be cigarette. De- yeah, devoured by <laughs> darkness. The light is on the way. And mom's reaction, where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, which I thought was a great, I am from, uh, you know, who, I was going to say Mount Olympus. That's not where the uh, Norwegian no. gods are from. Where are they from? Uh, Asgard. Asgard, thank you. Yeah. Um, I thought that was great because, you know, and when – Go back to Lost Girl. She, we always used to say Lost Girl at its best took those kind of genre tropes and kind of turned it around, you know, and turned it on its head. Um, and here is this trope of the old wise lady dispensing her wisdom. And the person she's dispensing to is just like, what are you talking about? Why? That's nonsense. What? You're just you're supposed to just scan my stuff, but you're spewing out this nonsense. So it was great to like, you know, kind of turn that little cliche on its head there. Right. And you mentioned Lost Girl. I was thinking the other day, you know, what if I should go back and watch some of that? It's been, you know, quite a long time yeah. since we covered Lost Girl. So uh, I don't know. It might be nice to, to revisit that, but uh Fjord sees Magna and Turret eating by the water, and, and he approaches them. And again, we don't know what's going to transpire here, but I, I like the fact that Fjord is at least making that effort and tells him, you know, dude, you were right. And he tips him off to where the barrels are going to be and what they're going to do with the barrels. Now, does he think he's going to go and grab five barrels and put them in front of the police station. Probably not. But if nothing else other than dude, you're not crazy. And mom's reaction. Oh, it's nice that you're, you two are friends. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wants a kid to be friends with the rich kid. Yeah. But, uh, and then of course we see him, you know, observing the barrels down at the dock. Um, Yeah. Which like, they're not really doing a great job of like hiding it. Right. I mean, well, like they, they were just accused to? of, of like, you know, I mean, you think again, well, we know that this police officer is not necessarily the, the best, but you know, like this kid did accuse them of having a ton of barrels of toxic waste 
there's a big room that's now empty, could have held all those barrels, but now they're gone. So is the kid crazy or does he have something? Well, I don't know. But hey, look, oh my gosh, let's look at the docks. Man, the Udals seem to have a lot of barrels lined up at the dock in plain sight like that. Maybe that. Maybe I should look into that. Yeah. Well, I, I think the one aspect of this episode that is really compelling for me, and we've kind of hinted at it, is whether or not Fjord is trying to break away from the family. I mean, Vidar confronts him about the missing family photo and the risk he's placed the family in, and then, of course, slugs him, and, and uh, you know, we get the, the little scene there. Later, Fjord watches as Gree and her coughing father are returning home from the store, and it's clear that he's bothered by what he sees, and we assume he understands that it's his family's responsibility, he tries to give dad the 250,000 I don't know what their monetary unit is but you know she even says it's a quarter of a million that, that was a lot of money whatever it is so you know he's making this attempt is that what it is yeah uh, he's making an attempt to redeem himself but it, it, I guess the pull of the family is too strong that it certainly appears he's going to kill her in that abandoned warehouse. And had it not been for Magna trailing them, he might have succeeded. Or would he have, you know, backed away at the last second? We don't really know. He didn't seem like not, he was backing away. He seemed I know. Like he was, I, I, you know. No, I agree. And and she does return the photo, which answers a question we had uh, last right. week, and doesn't seem bothered by the 1899 printed at the bottom so we still don't really know what she's thinking he makes some kind of comment about my weird family or or whatever but you know it's it's uh if there's any character that that for me really gets a win in all of this it's gree sure because of the you know the the stance she takes but fjord and his actions are just so compelling because we don't know exactly what's going on in this mind because look he's been alive for three thousand years this can't be the first time he's encountered a situation like this so this can't be new territory for him or is it well i mean i was about to say it really seems like it kind of is though you know like he is seems i mean not seems he totally is conflicted and is you know vacillates between this trying to help out the humans, but, you know, being like, you know, loyal to his family at the same time. Um, and both of those pulls are, are pretty strong and compelling for him. You know, it's kind of like one of those things, I agree when I'm with you, I want to be with you, but when I'm with my family, I want to do with my family once. And, you know, I mean, like they said, what, 3,000 years they've been around. That's, that's a, a lot of history to just throw away. Right. So it'd be fascinating to see if they ever give us a hint of what was before 1899. But, uh, you know, I, I, I doubt we will. But uh, um, Constitution Day and the confrontation with Vidar, you know, takes up the last part of this storyline. And one of the first things we see Rand go into the salon to buy some of Grease Mom's Miracle Cream and, yeah, and of not course, by, though. yeah, you know, and, and you've heard said, well, the rich remain rich because they figure out ways to not pay for stuff. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, that really bothered me. But still, that little hint that there's something in this cream that is preventing her from aging when we know that's not it at all. So, you know, there must be something about her skin. I I don't know. Plus with Gree's mom, it's like, okay, your husband is really super sick. You know it's because of where he works. So you know it's because of the utils. Yet you're, okay, so one thing, you're, you're on friendly terms with Ron, yeah. But you're actually giving her stuff and not charging her? Like, really? Yeah. And, and she's not offering to pay after you offer it for free. So, right. yeah, you know, and it's like, makes the fist, yeah, solidarity, women's running group or whatever. It's like, come on, you need the money. Yeah. This is your business. But uh, again, while all this is taking place, Lawrence is sitting in the chair and we don't know whether his decision to go blonde <laughs> came, comes at this point or whether he's planned that all along. But I, I, I feel like he hasn't though. But you know, like she comes in and she's talking shit about Magna. Right. And, you know, Lawrence, you know, we, we, Kind of before it said, it doesn't seem like he's the greatest brother and doesn't seem like their relationship is very strong. But, man, he's really comes through for Magna in this yeah. episode. And not, even, like, defending him against their own mother, you know? Like, and we actually saw that before, I believe the episode before, when, um, you know, Turid and Eric are having dinner there. And Lawrence is the only one who thinks to take some food up to Manya, you know? So despite their differences, we, we kind of really get it that he's, he's got Manya's back and that his brother means a lot to him. Yeah. And I think you're probably right that it, it all just comes to him in the moment. He asks if he can give the student speech this year, which kind of catches her off guard and says, she'll think about it. And then of course he tells uh Gris mom that he wants to go blonde uh, and then we get that scene at the Udall home where Ran uh, tells Vidar she's written a speech for Constitution Day. She's going to use some of the speech Saxa gave back in 1974, which I thought was great. Yeah. But he's you know focused on getting rid of the 2,500 barrels. But uh, the Constitution Day celebration was kind of cool. I, I did do a little bit of googling about that and apparently constitution day in norway it's a big day for everybody to eat a boatload of ice cream uh Mm -hmm. put on traditional costumes and and i did uh love the fact that uh fjord wore the traditional gucci track outfit that has (laughs) been around norway for centuries very (laughs) very uh, traditional outfit yeah but seeing uh Saxa and her mother in those outfits was uh was pretty funny. Uh, nobody else seemed to. I guess they had to because they're, you know, the the town's first family so to speak. Right. But we see Iman and and we've talked about again, a character that you have presented to us. We know she's going to be important. She better be damned important in season 2 because uh. you're throwing her out there too much and not really giving her much to do other than tease us. So, right. Yeah. And again, it's another example of that tells Magna, she's glad to see him. Um, and, and then when Saxa sees her brother making googly eyes at Greece, if you don't do it, I will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, uh, I guess, you know, I think you pretty much feel he was ready to kill Gree. 
I, I feel like there was still that chance that he would back away at the last second, but we'll never know because, as we said, Magnus comes. Big hammer comes, to the back. Comes running in. But everybody starts leaving. Like, Vidar gets a call. He's got to go to police headquarters where the barrels have turned up outside the entrance. And uh, he's reminded this is an example of illegal containment of chemical waste. I don't know. I've never seen these. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they all say util industries on the side here, young man. But uh, um, yeah, what? And, what? Where did this come from? What? Uh, and <laughs> Saxa leads the crowd in the national anthem, which is we says the episode's title. You know, it's the first line of the song. But Magnus sees Fjord leave with Gree. Then we see him take her to that sketchy place, presumably to be killed. And, you know, then the last, it's like the last nine minutes are just like action packed. Yeah. And, um, he finds that hammer, throws it at Fjord, knocks him to the ground. And you wonder what Grease think. It's like, dude, you just threw like a 20 pound sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah. Like it was and, a softball. Right. And, you know, it would kill an ordinary human slugs him a few times ready to finish him off if that's even possible we don't even know at this point Grease stops him and you know she's seen Fjord's yellow eyes notes they've returned to normal so again to be inside her head what the hell must she be thinking yeah about these people around me right right you know um but the the other thing especially once we see magna go at it with vidar i would have thought fior would be more powerful i mean okay i know he's the god of thunder but he's the baby god of thunder you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> he's just he's coming into his powers and right he he just seemed to throw fior around like a rag doll uh manya threw fior around yeah yeah okay, yeah, yeah i get what you're saying yeah, yeah um well a, you know, Fjord really didn't seem to have much fight in him at all. And B, he doesn't really, we haven't seen much of Fjord as a fighter at all. We just see him getting his ass kicked by his, his dad. Yeah, yeah, a couple times. Uh, his sister beat his ass. So, but, you know, I, as, you, as you were talking, I just had this idea of, like, what might be going. So, like, when um, Ron says she's going to use a speech that Saxo used in 1974, I mean, could this be... Like they go through generations, and like so, like Vidar and Ron are the adults now, and Fjord and Saxa are the kids, and then they'll grow up, and maybe then the parents, quote unquote, regenerate or whatever, and are then when when the younger people get older, the older people become younger again. And I I don't know. That's just that line kind of struck me. It's like maybe that's how they're pulling off this, you know, being the same for, you know, one generation after the other, the, the same people looking the same, uh, living in the same place. If they are kind of just leapfrogging each other, then that could be because then, you know, the people, by the time the, the older people get old and quote unquote die and then they're quote unquote reborn well i mean all the people who knew them when before were are old and so when they you know the kids are young and they kind of look like their grandparents looked like or whatever i yeah i don't know if that's how it is but right and maybe eventually we'll get some sort of an explanation as to their backstory about how all that works because otherwise 
they will have to be moving from town to town periodically. And, you know, I mean, Norway is a big country. I mean, it's not that big, but I, I suppose particularly, you know, in the past before social media, before, you know, the Internet, before electronics, it was probably a lot easier to move about and, sure. and avoid avoid detection. But allowing uh, you to keep an incriminating book of photos too. Right. Now, before we get to the final fight, we still got Lartz's speech at the celebration. It was amazing. And it was Eric introduces principal ran and, and he holds his hand up. No, not you. You stay there. Yeah. So he's okay. obviously, so let me just take it. this moment to ask what is going on with Eric. He is like, it's just, from the one time he's he's screwed over Manya twice and he actually apologizes to him again like oh i'm sorry for signing that document that committed you that said you were crazy just like before like he narked him out about having he sold laptop and on the other hand he does cool stuff like allowing you know laureates to to come in and dress and drag to give the student speech on Constitution Day, which I assume is a fairly like dignified affair. You don't know if it's if, if cross dressing is a uh, tradition of, of of Constitution Day. Right. And I seriously doubt he knows what Lawrence is going to say in his speech. Uh, what did you he think he was going to say? You know, like if the kid's going to show up dressed as the principal and drag, He's not going to give a straight speech. You know, he's going to give like a satiric or some speech that's going to be obviously out there, you know? There should be absolutely no doubt how much I personally love the youth. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, it, it seemed like the crowd understood that, which okay, everyone left, right? I guess that's okay in Norway. Uh, but then well, not that it's, it's turned- okay in Norway. You're going you're gonna to upset uh, our Norwegian listeners, uh, both point. of them. But, uh, you know. The uh, but you know it's this idea that th- this family can do whatever the hell they want, and even if people know about it, no one does anything about it. You know, so like, well, okay, the principal sleeps with their students. Well, what are you going to do, right? It's the utils, <laughs> right? But but then his speech turns into an extension of Gree's paper, which obviously Magna had a hand in, and this condemnation of the illusion of free will that the people of Edda pretend to have and as she points out in her paper many of the towns and cities in norway are are, are the same so you know it, it it was funny because we see him in drag we see him pretending to be the principal but you know his, his message is, is pretty spot on um which leads us into the final confrontation and like we said before vidar starts removing his clothes his shirt and we're wondering all right is this going to be like a naked fight or no he just goes <laughs> down to uh uh to the waist but magna tells Gree and fjord to run and you know you mentioned that a few minutes ago and fortunately they do what they're going to talk about once they get to safety who knows and thor throws the hammer and vidar swats it away <laughs> like it's uh yeah, made out of balsa wood. Right. Well, yeah, we're so used to you know, like especially the movies with Thor and his hammer, and with Molnir, and uh, you know, like this thing that that just causes havoc and destroys things and 
butts through things. And so now we see Thor throw his hammer and the giant just swats the way like it was a fly. And how cool was that when Vidar, impervious to Magnus punches, just shoves him so hard yeah. he breaks through like three cinder block walls before landing on his back outside. And then, you know, we get that darkness that starts hovering over the town. Uh, and Vidar tells him, I made a mistake thinking you're Thor. No, you think he's Thor. That's why you're, you know, trying to kick his ass at this point before he comes into his power, which then leads us to wonder what's the deal here? Because he tells him he's just a scared little boy like your father. So what was his father a God? Or does he mean Odin as his father? Okay. And, And that's, certainly uh, a reasonable explanation but no no but you're you're right i mean that's the th- there's two levels to that right yeah. like mean, your father like your biological father was you know or your father is in odin right but i mean is thor this persona that is passed down through heredity or through right, whatever right, I mean, right so we don't know um he just throws that out there and and again we don't get explanation hopefully season two will you know answer some of these questions but he starts beating the crap out of magna holds him aloft with one hand i I thought the special effects were pretty good for it's awesome for for the for this show which we know doesn't have a huge budget so you know having said that and and it's funny not to digress too much i i watched some uh, interviews with the cast of the last kingdom and they talked about uh, they know there's a lot of comparison between game of thrones and, and their show and and vikings uh, but that they don't have near the budget they sure do a damn good job though with a, a smaller budget and i thought the 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 fight sequences here were done pretty well i don't even want to say considering i'm just going to say they were done pretty well and then he's about to take his heart and and i guess Vidar's got this thing for taking hearts out yeah. of people. Magna it's kind of his move. It's like, uh, um, oh shit, I can't remember the game. I'll think about it. Keep going. Okay, but uh, at that point, Magna brings the thunder and lightning and the two fly apart. Again, great visual. Mortal Kombat. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and then uh, we see the the shot of the old woman, Wenki, and, and she's just sitting there like smoking a cigarette yeah. like you mentioned before, like, okay. okay this is cool and then the two of them are lying unconscious it begins to rain and i feel like i'm in wind again so get me ready for that well like so yeah we're we're waiting like and again this here's my problem because again like they get to this point where he's really starting to come into his power and then now it's not till really the end of this episode that he starts to be thor right um and he brings down the thunder on vidar like that which was awesome um, it's such a great scene. Definitely, probably my favorite scene in the whole series so far. So it's almost like about time that we finally got to this point, you know? Yeah. And, and we get those two little final things there in the last couple of minutes. Uh, many believe Ragnarok was the end. They are wrong. It's where it all begins. And does the old woman turn into that black bird or is that black bird separate and what is it? I mean, you know, in Norse mythology, and we, we ran into this in Lost Girl, Munin and Hugin, uh, 
the ravens that give information to Odin, I mean, that didn't look like a raven. It looked way bigger than a raven, but I don't know. You know, when you, yeah. when, you when you see the ravens they have at Ravens games on the on the sideline, they're pretty darn big. They're pretty big so, birds, yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I, did she turn into that bird? Uh, it, it seemed to have some significance. I just don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, I don't know. And then that final shot, where Magnus' hand begins to move and he makes a fist. And, and of course, then we assume season two will pick up with uh, probably that shot, I would guess. Yeah, it seems like a good place to pick up. So, uh, I don't know. Anything else uh, you want to bring up about this one? Yeah, I mean, just like we got a, a largely forgettable episode in many ways completely redeemed by two amazing scenes and that being Lawrence's speech and then Manya's fight and then you know finally bring, I said bring down the thunder obviously didn't bring down the thunder brought down the lightning uh on, on Vidar so I mean th- those were those are really really cool and uh you know of course we we knew it was going to happen because you know Vidar starts um you know monologuing here and taunting and you know that's when the hero is going to pull off his secret move. If you give him too much of a chance, you just don't finish him off. That's why in you know Mortal Combat, when they say finish him, you got you got to finish him right away, or otherwise the guy would get his energy back, and, and you know you, you wouldn't necessarily win the fight. So um, I always call it the Prince Oberon mistake. R- exactly, exactly. You know, you're just you're screaming Oberon, just finish him off. Stop the taunting, man. Like, what are you doing? So. So yeah, I get my head crushed like a coconut. Yeah, oh man, don't bring that back up. I know. <laughs> Sorry. So well, there was you know like we I think I was expecting a little bit more superhero type stuff going on in this episode, especially with the lack of it last episode. But I think overall, in the end, it, it came through. Yeah, I mean, it obviously is a series with a serious message about the environment about. Uh, you know, political uh, situations in these small towns in Norway. And and that's fine. I think they did a pretty good job of of giving us enough superhero stuff, not beating us over the head too much with uh, Thor's hammer here uh, with the environmental stuff. So, you know, I mean, it's it, in terms of a grade, uh, I'm going B plus. I still can't quite go A minus, really? as you said. I went yeah, A minus on this one. Oh, you did? I did. Oh. Yeah. I I, I I mean, I think those two scenes, by their awesomeness, lifted okay. up like literally two grade levels. I was going mm-hmm. just B for most of it, but those two scenes just had I I jumped up two levels because of those okay. two good scenes. Okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll review my notes after we're done, and uh, you know, when I'm typing in the episode grade on the blog post, we'll we'll see. But, but but you know what you just said, I think is is a big part of what we see. I mean, not only is this right a, a fight between Thor and these giants, but like like we said, you know, you had just said this is essentially the the forces of conservatism, which the, the basic you know kind of says like everything's okay. Why are you complaining? life is good here and then you know the forces of change that say 
things are not good here. Things need to change. This is not right, you know? And I think even uh, we started talking about the, the riots happening in America, it's it's basically the same thing. You can see the, the, the polarizing comments of the people who think, what are they complaining about? Things are fine. And the other one are the people saying, things are not fine. Things are messed up and things need to change, you know? And, um, yeah, that's, you know, if you, I mean, I know you've listened to Revolutions podcast and History of Rome. And, and if you listen to either of those two, or pretty much probably any history podcast, you'll see probably just the general history of the world is always this fight between the the forces that want things to stay the same and the forces that want things to change. Right. Exactly. And it just is a different set of circumstances that we're seeing in the town of Edda as opposed to maybe what we're used to in the States, but not really, just in a different level. So, all right, anything else? I think that's about it. All right, well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for, one, Snowpeaser Season 1, Episode 1, and two, the season finale of Season 1 of Ragnarok. Episode 6. I watched episode 6 of Ragnarok already 19 days ago, so just before this recording I had to rewatch it. And Dave, you were right in the last podcast that it was quite unique that I had seen an episode that the both of you didn't see. The only time I did remember is when I made my Patreon top 10 list last year, that there were on that list of course some movies or series that you never had seen but otherwise i'm always behind and in the topic what are we watching i'm currently watching in the covid lockdown period orphan black again my son's girlfriend is already living uh, with us for the last two months and she just became 18 and she is watching some series and movies with my wife and then i said okay i also have something that i want to watch with you and so i started orphan black again and even after a fifth time it's still a very very good series and because I once spent nine days in Toronto just visiting Orphan Black sites, it also gives a lot of holiday memories for me. And I even discovered that I have been in places I didn't know that were in the series, but I now recognize during watching. Okay, let's start with Snowpeaser. I finally could watch the episode eight days later on Netflix than in the US. In the US it aired on Sunday the 17th of May and in the Netherlands here it aired on Monday the 25th. So I couldn't give feedback in Sci-Fi TV Rewatch episode 354. So I did give some feedback on the movie but did that as spoiler free as I could because I thought well people who want to watch this show also want to watch the movie and then you don't want to spoil them too much. I'm happy I was not spoiled uh, watching the movie. And I think now it's less of a problem because Dave and Wayne talk about the movie as well. Of course the film is different as we heard from Wayne and Dave. But if you have seen episode 1 of the series then you're already quite spoiled. Because there are quite some similarities as well as on the other side differences. 
And I had a little bit the same feeling as Wayne had, that you really should let the film go when you watch the series. Because if you start comparing it, you find all kinds of inconsistencies and annoying stuff. The timeline I posted on the Facebook group, for instance, gives that it's a kind of prequel. And what is then very strange, which also was detected by Wayne, is that nobody that is in the film, that is seven, eight years later, is mentioned in this series, although it plays earlier. So some main figures, names at least, that are in the movie should be in this series, and there is really none. So... Typing this as a prequel is probably not so right. The only prequel thing is that it's playing seven, eight years earlier, period. I had my doubts how they could stretch out the concept of the movie over a series, even two seasons, as we already know. But now I saw the concept of this murder investigator that is going to the upper class regions of the train. And that will be a concept that is much nicer than in the movie where there is only this fight from the back, the tail to the front. And in the movie they then, boiler alert, they discover Mr. Wilford in the front of the train. And of course, here it's very strange that this Melanie is called by the driver. The train is yours, Mr. Wilford. So what is happening here? Is Wilford still around? Is Did she take it over? I really am interested in seeing episode two and already found a nice podcast to it as well. So that was all for Snowpiercer. Let's now go into episode six of Ragnarok. Let's start with the position of Loritz. Well, his dress-up was very, very funny, very nice. But I'm increasingly doubting if he is a son of Fidar or he will be a Loki-like figure. If there was some indication for it, it should have been shown here now. And actually his role, apart from this funny piece here, is getting less and less instead of increasing. Or that will be the big surprise in season two. I really wonder what Loris did, if that will have repercussions. Because actually he makes Ren ridiculous. Such a powerful woman in this town. On the other hand, it makes him very brave. So perhaps he is on the same level as these giants, and he is Loki. The other big question is, of course, is Fjord really turning? And as discussed by you in the last podcast, after 3000 years, Gree is probably not the first human he likes. But he does warn Magna and Gree for Fidar. And he offers Gree's father money, and he tells Magna where the toxic barrels are. Or do the makers want us to believe that he is turning, and we get a big switcheroo in season 2. Terrific were of course the five barrels of toxic weight on the doorstep of the police station. I really wonder if this police officer will survive this. Very remarkable was that she was wearing her police cap now. So in all previous scenes we saw her without and now she's getting strict and stands up to Vidar. She wants to be taller. A little nitpick. Gree leaves with Fjord the ceremony. 
I think that is something that all students should attend, and it is very strange when somebody leaves. She must trust Fjord quite a lot, or is very naive, leaving with him the ceremony and going with him into such a creepy building. Okay, last topic. At the end of the episode, Vidar is saying, you're just a little boy, just as your father. So we all wonder, of course, was his father also in this role of Thor or something else? And what about his grandfather? But I think his grandfather was on his mother's side, because the house they live in is, I think, their grandparents' house. And this hammer with this rune sign in it is, I think, from his grandfather on mother's side. So is there any, and of course I ask that, hereditary line there in this Thor history? Okay, that was all for Ragnarok. Thank you very much for choosing this series. I find it very intriguing, almost dark-like, but not really. And we got a date for 27th of June for Dark. So very happy about that, of course. And I placed a link on the Facebook page where you can see a nice summary of the last season of Dark. So if you watch that and you get completely confused, then it would be wise to rewatch season two. And if that summary gives you the complete feeling of Dark again, then you know you don't have to watch the second season again to understand. Well, with Dark you never know. You understand the third season. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. P.S. And, of course, looking very much forward to the podcast of next week. All right, so first of all, rewatching Orphan Black with his son's girlfriend. Dude, I love it. Fifth <laughs> time, though. Man. Fifth time? Yeah, I know. That's, 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 wow. But he I mean, really likes I that show. I will say... When I used to watch Lost, and, and granted, when Lost was on the air, we didn't have the plethora of genre shows sure. that we have now. So I used to watch it three times during the course of the week. Uh-huh. And that by the time it aired for the next episode, I really felt like I, I had a good understanding. But, you know, now who's got time to do that? I mean, we rewatch the episodes for the podcast, but for the most part, there are very few shows I rewatch before the next week so yeah, i did westworld and i would with snowpiercer except oh that's what i wanted to bring up during pick of the week effing tom brady and peyton manning's little golf game because of those jerk offs they uh bled over into the recording of snowpiercer so instead of being able to watch my recording of it and fast forward through the commercials i had to watch on demand i had to watch all the commercials oh bastards <laughs> all right now uh he brings up snowpiercer in, in his feedback and, and mentions that he had to wait over a week to see it and you know he brings up the whole idea of the murder investigation and that's like what we talked about is that going to be enough to hold our interest over the course of a season and I, you know, I'm not so sure. We'll see. I, I haven't seen the second episode yet. I did record it and, and I will take a look. It was at pretty it. good. Okay. Um, you know, is Melanie Wilford, you seem convinced right from the start that yes, she is. Yeah. So that that's out there. I went back and now, rewatched. I'm like, there's, there's no, oh man, there was so much stuff 
that when I went and rewatched that I noticed because especially like in the beginning where I was only like kind of, I wasn't necessarily fully focused cause I was so like trying to figure out how this fits in with the movie. But I went back and rewatched and you know, like, so, um, Andre's son air quotes. Yeah. Not his, the, in the, in the, the, the beginning of the, the, the first scene where people try to get on the train, he, his mother and him get on the train. Uh, she hides him under a bed and they throw her off. Oh, okay. So he's basically an orphan. So he's adopted by Andre and uh, Josie, I believe, is is the other uh, the woman as well. So he's neither of, of their son. He, he's um, they, but they they I think they. They call him like the the train dad or the train family at some point or something oh, like that. Okay. So, yeah, and then and also with the um, Ivan uh, committing suicide, I'm it's like a hundred. I'm I'm like ninety nine percent sure because he's in there. He's listening to the iPod. He unplugs the iPod, and then you know then he's found hanged. So um, you know it it's, seems extremely unlikely that that's anything except for his own suicide. But then we see his suicide causes the, the, you know, the uprising basically like, cause it's when they are, um, they come to pick up his body that they're given an opportunity to revolt. Um, so did he know that? Did he intend for his death to, to spur this rebellion? And is all of this, you know, by design kind of. Yeah. Okay. No more. I haven't seen the second episode yet. Yeah. Well, that's just from, right. Oh, that's just from the first episode. Uh, okay. That okay. there's no there's no spoilers in there for episode two. That's all just okay. stuff. I went back and rewatched the first episode, and oh, I noticed okay. all this stuff. So. All right. Now, one of the things Fred brings up, you know, he he's had that theory that Lawrence could be either the son of Vidar, which I think you and I dismissed a while back. Uh, but I don't necessarily dismissed it, but but I, I mean I I. Th- it sounded a lot better when you first said it than it does now. Right. Now, Loki, I think, is still in play. Certainly, we see the trickster I, when he... I will... I, I'm not going to say things like, I'll eat my hat or I'll eat a big pile of poop if he's not Loki, because <laughs> I don't want to do either of those things should it not happen. But I am so sure that he's Loki. He is just a... 100% piss taker, you know? If he's, not, if he's not Loki, you have to wear a Steelers shirt. There you go to school I will, one day. I will do that. If it turns out he is not Loki, I, I can't wear it to school because there's too many yeah. uh, kids who like the Steelers at school who oh, would never point. let me hear the end of it. Okay. But, uh, you know, I will, I will in private. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Now, will Rand look to avenge Lawrence making her look ridiculous or will she have bigger problems to concern herself with? I think she'll find the time to get her revenge. I think so too. I, I absolutely think so. Um, and then, uh, you know, he, he brings up that season two dark summary that he posted on the Facebook group. And if you haven't checked that out, I mean, if you're not planning to rewatch season two, which I am planning to, uh, it, it's still, it's a great summary. I did take a look at it. So it, it's there in the Facebook group and, uh, definitely worth checking out either way rewatch or don't still worth sure. checking out so all right anything else about fred's feedback nope no that's okay fred thank you as always and uh uh getting close to dark so uh 
we'll leave it there and that'll do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch want to thank you guys for joining us love to hear what you think about ragnarok impulse dark anything else going on in genre tv encourage you to join the facebook group and get into the discussions there if you want to send us an email the address is sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com and we'll be back next time with a patreon supporter request but until then you know, Dave, sometimes when I'm listening to you speak, I just wonder, like, I'm just saying, it's impossible to understand what you're saying. I live in the real world. Where are you from? <laughs>